This is episode 44 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hey there, thanks for being here today for this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm excited to welcome you into this conversation, which we've been having for about the last month on Kindred Mom on the blog and through the different podcast episodes we've already released. This topic is life around the table, and it's been a really great way to just take a closer look at what is important about our mealtimes together with our families, how that builds our relationships and strengthens our families. And today we are continuing that conversation, just talking about specifically deepening connections with our kids around the table and what that looks like in our real homes. So the first half of the show is with Corey Wieland. She is one of our writers in residence for this fall, as well as Jennifer Van Winkle, who's one of our regular contributors to the blog and podcast. And we are just talking about what it looks like at our own homes to be intentional about this area. On the second half of the show, I have guest Misty Phillip, who is a mama with three boys who are older than many of us who are regular contributors to this podcast. She has a lot of wisdom and a lot of encouragement to give, and I hope you'll enjoy that part of the conversation. One of the things I did not want to forget to mention is that we released a resource to our email subscribers this month that is really awesome. It has over 60 recipes from about 20 different moms, their favorite family recipes. So if you're looking for mealtime inspiration, we hope you'll go and subscribe to our email list so we can send a copy of that to you. Thanks so much, and let's jump in. Today I have two special guests on this segment that I would love to introduce you to. We have one of our regulars, Jenny Van Winkle. Hey. Yes, and a new guest, Corey Wieland, who is one of our writers in residence this fall. Corey, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And I'd love for you, since you are new to our listeners, for you to just give a little background information on you and where you're at in your motherhood journey. Sure. So I'm a single mom to my daughter, Zoe. Mm -hmm. She just turned seven this summer. She's about to start second grade and she's so incredibly excited. So it's, it's really not that hard to get that excited about this time of year with her. So, (laughs) uh, um, but I've been divorced for about two years now and just kind of working through the navigating of being a single mom and all of the responsibilities that come with that. And I've been incredibly blessed with my daughter. So mm-hmm. I tell myself on a regular basis that I just think parenting her is really, really easy. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the day in, day out part of that can just be so overwhelming, which, you know, that happens in any kind of parenting situation. But I've been really lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, we're so glad to have you and really grateful to have a differing perspective because you are the first single mom that I know of that we've had on the podcast and that um, has not been an intentional oversight. It's just (laughs) been kind of our circumstances, Um, but we're really grateful for your voice here and hope that it just brings a new dimension to the conversation that we have today. So thanks for taking the time. Of course. And Jenny, I just wanted to welcome you. I know that you're in the middle of your first weeks with your boys checking out kindergarten. And I'd love oh, to know yeah. how that's going. <laughs> well, it's pretty good. I mean, our kids have never been to preschool. Mm-hmm. I've done I've done their schooling up till now. And so they're entering public school, which is kind of a big deal for us. And, you know, because they've been, you know, a match set <laughs> yeah. from the beginning, they've not had the opportunity to really be outside of each other's spheres. And so they're in separate classrooms Uh and it's going to go really well. And it's really just interesting to see how their autonomy is blossoming Uh just in the short week. I mean, it's just the, this is um, like a lead up week, kind of a sample practice week before school actually starts. And um, so the teachers could get to know them and so that they could kind of understand the procedures that go into kindergarten, which was really great. Good. And so, yeah, it's going to be a brand new thing, but they seem to be 
they seem to be excited about it. So we're going to be talking today about deepening connections with our families during the time we spend around the table. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was the idea of what our ideal meal times look like and then what is reality. Because we've had a lot of encouragement and inspiration this month through the different essays that have been shared, as well as, you know, the different podcasts that we've already aired. And I have seen just a lot of beautiful big picture ideas for what mealtimes can be with our families. I'm just kind of left with this feeling of realizing that sometimes it is like that. And a lot of times it's not that reality doesn't always match up with our ideals. And so I'd love for us to talk about um, our everyday mealtimes and maybe reconciling what we thought um, this should look like and what it actually looks like in our lives right now. And Corey, I'd love for you to jump in with your thoughts about this from your own experience. Yeah, for sure. So I have to say that this topic really hit home with me when I saw that this is what we were going to be writing around, mm-hmm. about. So, you know, I grew up, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and every single night she had a hot home-cooked meal on the table that we would come to at the end of the day and sit around. And it was, you know, those things you see like in magazines where it's the it's the perfect family mm-hmm. dinner. And so I had this vision that, you know, when I grew up and got married and had kids, that that's what it was going to be like. I'd probably be at home too and have that opportunity to do that. And life did not take that trajectory for me. So, you know, here Mm -hmm. I am, I'm a single mom. I have, you know, I have this daughter that I need to get food on the table for. I work Mm -hmm. full time. And some nights we're not getting home until six o'clock and I have not even prepared anything for dinner. And, you know, we walk in and there's a whole bunch of activity going on. And I'm thinking, I need to get something on the table. My daughter is going to be so disappointed with me if there's not something there ready for her hot right now. And I've learned over the past few years, especially since it's just the two of us, that the only thing that she cares about is just being with me. And obviously, I feed her. I get food on the table obviously. eventually. <laughs> it, it, it might not be, you know, the chicken and the baked potato and the vegetables and all the other stuff that my mom yeah. had on the table when I was growing up. I mean, sometimes maybe we're ordering pizza or maybe it's, you know, a quick mac and cheese thing that I heat up for her. But at the end of the day, there we are sitting next to one another, eating dinner, having conversations. And I, I see that that's all Zoe wants is mm-hmm. just to be there with me. And she could care less about the food. Half the time, she doesn't even eat it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah. You know, and so then I think, why have I, why have I been putting so much pressure on myself to make this so perfect? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it's just that residual expectation that you have of the way things should be. And I I don't really think that anything should be a certain way, really deep down, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's just those preconceived feelings I have about it. And I mean, it's something I've struggled with in all aspects of my life, but it seems to come out so much around these traditional things that you think you should be doing. And as a single mom, what I want to be doing is providing her with the opportunities to have the experiences that I feel like she should be having if she was in a normal family with a mom and a dad and a family and maybe siblings or something like that. And so I worry about that constantly, but Zoe does such a good job of reminding me just sometimes speaking it or sometimes just showing me it that all she cares is that we're there together. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, If we look at our own expectations and then try to consider our kids and their expectations, I think what either of us want out of a mealtime is probably very different because, you know, if I'm going through all the trouble to make a big meal or whatever, I want them to sit. I want them to eat. I want there to be some semblance of peace and order around our table. And the kids would probably be just so thrilled to have a food fight or any other (laughs) like completely out of the box thing that I am not on board with. And so um, just, I would love Jenny for you to jump into with what um, it looks like at your house to match up your kids' expectations with your own. And uh, what do you do when those aren't in sync with each other? Well, lately what we've been working on is like 
cutlery skills, like Mm -hmm. how to use your fork or your knife to cut your food and that kind of thing. And my kids sometimes like pancakes. They used to love, love, love pancakes in the mornings for breakfast. And it would be like what they would call special breakfast, which Mm -hmm. is really cute because pancakes are so like easy right <laughs> but they're like it's special breakfast it is yeah special. <laughs> so, yeah it is special but um but as soon as we started really like we stopped cutting their pancakes for them this year and just left them with like this whole round plate sized pancake mm-hmm. and we're like okay you're gonna have to practice cutting your food all of a sudden they're like I hate pancakes <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is the worst I, you know and it's all because there's like work involved and right. and and like this thing that they don't know how to do right we started you know trying to like get into like the mechanics of how to work the knife and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and now they're getting to the point where they where they are gaining skill with it and can actually cut their food in kind of a haphazard thing but one of my sons has been like cutting his pancake into like symmetrical pieces and is like making this pancake design on his plate and (laughs) all this stuff. And it's just like, and what I would like is just like, I'm sitting there eating my food and kind of wishing, I guess in my ideal world that my kids would just learn how to like cut their food and it would, they would be very proper and Mm -hmm. have like this, you know, decorum, I guess, surrounding food and, and how to use your cutlery. And there, there they are like playing with their food, but they're doing it in a sophisticated way. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, and, you know, Maybe so steps. to me, it's just like, <laughs> there's room for that. And, and, you know, decorum is sort of stuffy. And I'm, when I think about it, I'm just like, you know, I'm really not that kind of a person. Like that's really not at the top of my list. When I think about what my ideals are, are actually not what I would want my life to be or, or my, or my children's experience. Right. So it's been a really nice opportunity for me to let go of the reins a little bit and to ease up on the strict, you know, controlling mentality. So, well, and I think it's funny just because at my house, I have so many kids. I, especially for the littler ones where I'm just honestly, if we're doing pancakes, we're trying to get them on the table as quick as we can because we have a lot of mouths and everybody's hungry. And so we just use a pizza slicer and we slice one direction, slice the other direction, and then they just get them. (laughs) So mine don't have cutlery skills, but by the time they're like six, seven, eight, they want to do their own and then it's no longer an issue. But pizza slicer for the win. (laughs) That's a good tip. That's a really good tip. (laughs) So one of the things that I have noticed through this conversation and really other things from the series is that deepening our connection with our kids, especially, doesn't really come down to the food itself. Like, of course, we're there to nourish our bodies Mm -hmm. and we want to provide healthy, nutritious food for our families. But I just think it comes down to being attentive and having that intentional time around the table, just physically being present there. And that, you know, the challenges Mm -hmm. to having successful meal times are really about just getting to the table and being present at the table. And so I would love to talk about what maybe your biggest challenges are at your house and how you get around them. So for me, it's funny going off of the things that we have been talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, I have this goal this year where I am trying to cook more like actual meals. And so the other night I made like pork chops and broccoli and potatoes. And I I mean, I was trying to make this big deal about it that I was going to give Zoe like a real dinner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I worked about an hour making this and I set it down and I said, look, Zoe, like we're having a real dinner, you know, And, and she just looked at me and she said, we have real dinners every night. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, I said, but, but, you know, I, I, I made a little bit more effort, you know, and we had the time to do it. I'm I'm trying to like, you know, hit this point home with her. And she goes, the only thing I ever want to do when we eat is just talk to you. And, you know, it's one of those moments where it just stops you in your tracks because Mm. again, there I am thinking, it is about the food. It's about, you know, what I'm putting in front of her. And, and of course, when I did that too, she really only ate like four bites of it. And Mm -hmm. so, but her saying that then Mm -hmm. kind of made me stop 
and mm-hmm. I stopped eating and we had this conversation just about, you know, what really is important when we're sitting there. And mm-hmm. for, for me, it really is one of the only times that the two of us have kind of a quiet moment to do that. I only have her half of my time. Um, she's yeah. with her dad 50% of the time and with me 50% of the time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, these, these hours are so precious between picking her up from school and putting her to bed because sometimes those are the only hours we get in a day. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I just, I just think that when you have meal time that the meal part does become secondary. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we have often done uh, when it's just been the two of us is we talk about our days I tell her about something funny that happened at work Mm -hmm. and it encourages her to say something about her day. And so I think I'm actively trying to find ways to have that be such a more uh, intimate time for the two of us to be together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good strategy too to just lead the way and do your own sharing and then invite them to jump in with their thoughts and things from their day. Yeah, distraction is like a big one for me. Uh, Just... I guess I, I am distracted because I'm with my kids all day long. And, and I guess at the end of the day, I'm really looking for an opportunity to not be with them <laughs> in a way or to, yeah. or to just really have an opportunity to do something just for me. And even if that's just to have my own thoughts, not necessarily to do anything else, like, but just to really be able to have a and complete my own thought, you know, without being beckoned or something, you know? And, <laughs> and so for me, I'm sitting at the table and, and I'm really quiet and I, I'm thinking about the things that I'd like to think about because it's like a quiet moment and everybody's eating and not necessarily talking. So it's kind of quiet. And then, you know, my, my son will look at me and will say something similar, Corey, like, I just want to, you know, talk with you, but not with so many words, you know, it's more or less just starting a conversation or just talking about something that's interesting to him. And I find myself being like jostled out of my little thought world going, oh, yeah, this is an important time to like connect with them and to bring myself to that because it really is such a fleeting thing that will be gone before I know it. And I have to make the most of that time. But distraction is so hard. Well, and this is to me one reason why it can't be a one size fits all. Because if you have someone who doesn't get to see their child all day because of work and school and all that stuff, and, you know, contrasted with a mom who is home all day with her kids, I don't have conversations with my kids at the dinner table. Like we meet there together and we do have some laughs. And it's usually my husband a little bit more interacting with them because he hasn't seen them as much. Mm -hmm. But you know, just even this question of, you know, what is really important about the mealtime, I think just physically being there is important at my house. And the, the attentiveness and the more personal connection and conversation, I have to literally like block off time where I invite them one at a time to come to my room where I will cuddle them, ask them how they're doing. Is there anything that's on your mind that you want to talk about? And that really can't happen during mealtime at my house because of how much is going on. And so just seeing that a child's needs are attentiveness from me, um, Mm -hmm. knowing Mm -hmm. that sometimes that happens if you have a smaller family or that's your only time during the day or whatever the reasons are that that time around the table is the time that that happens. That's a beautiful thing. But there are also times where just seeing our attentiveness and those conversations can happen at a different time of the day, that it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. around the table. And I think that's for me what I just have kind of discovered through this series is life around the table is great and important, but it's not the only place that we do life with our families. And from season to season, it might look different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when it comes to our evening meals, especially since that is when many families do connect and are all face to face for the one time a day, um, are there ideas that you have for drawing kids into participating in making the meal, inviting them into the kitchen or having them set the table? What do you guys do at your house? So what Zoe and I have started to do now that she's older, I mean, she turned seven mm-hmm. this summer. So she, I've seen this willingness in her to want to be a part of that. And so 
while I'm making dinner, she kind of busies herself into setting the Mm -hmm. table. And Zoe is, she like defines the word fancy. I mean, this child (laughs) will dress up in a dress and tights and put makeup on to go to the grocery store. And so (laughs) she's kind of turned dinner time into in setting the table into this like, oh my gosh, we're at a fine dining restaurant, mom. And so, and it's, it's so fun to kind of encourage it too, because it does make it feel a little special, but she'll put the placemats out and she'll get two different types of glasses and put them on the table and she'll get the nice napkins out. And, and sometimes, you know, if something's in the oven or something's still cooking, she'll make me go in a different room because she wants to present it. Like it's, it's this, you know, magnificent (laughs) spread that she has put out for us to eat. And so, you know, I, I love that she puts the elements of herself into these little tasks that I've given her to help uh, prepare for our dinner time meal. But I think what she just loves is being a part of it that I've not just said, Oh, go do your homework or go do this while I make dinner. You know, she wants to be there with me doing that. And so that's, that's, kind of been her thing that she's been doing lately. But um, normally, she'll sometimes be a little bit interested in helping with the food, but that kind of, you know, f- fades yeah. away really quickly when there are other activities she could be doing. But I, I've been trying to incorporate her into the mealtime prep and we're not yeah. quite there yet. Well, so. there's time. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, my, my boys are very interested in having jobs and if you can call it a job, you know, cause they're like the job that needs to be done is setting the table. Can you do, you know, and they're like, yes, I can. I can. Yeah. So, um, and then they're kind of, they kind of peter out when they're like, Oh, but I actually wanted to play with Legos. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like Zoe. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, get this, they get this little tiny inkling, but, and then it's, the interest comes back when it's time to actually come and sit down. So, but that's been the thing that I've slowly started because my kids aren't big enough yet. I think to, to kind of be consistent with it. And maybe that just comes down to me being consistent with them and asking them to do it over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so that might be a good thing for us to try this year is just to say you get to set the table you get to Mm -hmm. help with the meal prep and then you get to switch and that kind of thing yeah I was actually really surprised one day my two-year-old she's barely able to reach into the silverware drawer and so she was like grabbing out random silverware Mm -hmm. and she actually placed them in like the right spot on the table and I was like wow okay Uh, this is a skill we're going to capitalize on so it's awesome Yeah, Yeah. at my house, I have started doing some of the meal prep uh, well before dinner time, so earlier in the day since we're here. And if it's between homeschool lessons and stuff, um, one of the things we have a lot are smoothies. And I love smoothies made with frozen bananas. So I'll get like a Costco size bunch or a couple of them and wait till they're like just starting to get spots so that they're just a little bit over. Like I wouldn't probably eat that banana just straight out of the peel. But um, so we peel them and I actually have the kids do this at the kitchen table. I'll let them peel the whole bunch and then they cut them into like thirds with a butter knife and put them on a tray that we put in the freezer so that I can just pull out several chunks into the blender when we're making a smoothie. Um, And it's usually just for the week. I don't think they keep very well longer than five or six days um, that way, but it just makes for a really great smoothie to be able to have a frozen banana base versus having to add frozen berries or something else. Because my favorite one is frozen bananas with um, spinach and peanut butter and Greek yogurt and stuff like that. So anyway, they love helping with stuff like that because it's something they can totally do and they're not, they don't have to be by a hot stove. They don't have to be right under my feet um, when I'm in there trying to do stuff, but they do feel really involved. And the other very favorite job among the little girls who are four and six right now is washing potatoes in the sink because 
then they do get to stand on a chair in front of the sink and scrub till their heart is content. And I will still wash the potatoes afterwards, which they don't know, but they love it. (laughs) And one thing I've loved about just these very small things, they're not necessarily like hugely helpful to me, but it is capitalizing on their interest to be involved. And my older three kids are now to an age where they can actually help with tasks that I need to be done, whether it's browning meat in the skillet or pulling out what I need from the pantry or the freezer. And just because they have been interested for a couple of years and are now building those skills, I just feel like I don't have to ask twice for anybody to help me out in the kitchen. Like they're all waiting for their turn to be a part of making a meal. And that's just such a gift to be able to delegate and have them be interested in it. And, you know, I've also just talked with them pretty openly about just the importance of being able to feed yourself, (laughs) you know, like we're going to feed them while they're under our roofs, but they're not always going to live with us. And I think it's especially great for little boys to learn how to cook and love cooking. Um, My daughter, that's our oldest, is probably the most interested in cooking and baking right now. But my boys, they also like being able to decide what they're going to make and be in the kitchen. And I just love that. Yes. I had a question just about like, when did you start this conversation of like, while you're under our roof kind of a thing, like, Mm -hmm. like to start that whole awareness of like, you need to be able to do things on your own. Mm -hmm. Like, was that, was that when your kids started getting older or have you kind of always talked about their needing to have autonomy or How did that work? Well, I don't think I started parenting with this mindset um, only because I was just figuring out as I went, like everyone is. Um, But as we've added kids to our family, just by necessity from the early ages, they have to gain independence in a variety of areas from buckling themselves in their car seats and getting their shoes on and all that stuff because there's just not logistically any way for them to be completely dependent on me for every last thing. And so Mm -hmm. I think about the time we had probably four kids. Um, So my oldest would have been six when she was born um, is when I really started working with them. And this is every kind of skill that I could imagine that they could possibly do on their own. My philosophy is if they can do it, then I should teach them how to do it safely, how to do it Mm -hmm. in a way that is repeatable, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. and so that really started with other skills before it started with cooking. And we have had more intentional conversations since then with the new siblings that have arrived and everything. And... I mostly just talk to them about, like, lately with my eight and 10 year old boys, it's kind of just been teasing out who is responsible for what because they're Mm -hmm. always blaming someone else for their problems. Well, he did this, or, (laughs) you know, whatever it might be. And I have had to, this is my naggy repeating, you know, mom thing lately is just, take responsibility for you, you know, like whether it's your attitude or your shoes you can't find or your, if you're hungry, then you come and say, mom, I'm hungry. What can I have? And, you know, start seeking that out and having some self-initiative. And I think that that has both made them feel empowered. Mm -hmm. It has also alleviated some of the burden on me to be the problem solver of all things. Um, And also I would say the other thing that we talk about pretty often especially when we're like trying to get out the door or we're in a transition time is I just tell them straight up, you're a really important part of our family and what you do to contribute to the effort to get to the park or to get a meal on the table is really helpful. And that just gives them a sense of pride that I, Mm. I'm just, I love it. Like I love that they are growing in their confidence in themselves to do some of the basic things that they need to know how to do. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Well, and you had also told me that sometimes your kids will prepare Mm -hmm. meals on their own and they'll bring it to Mm -hmm. the table. And I just envision that they have this sense of pride that they're serving their family Mm -hmm. meal and to have that autonomy is really 
is really amazing. Yeah. Really, yeah, actually, so it's like for me down here with the little kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, what an exciting thing to aspire yes. to. Yes, so. no, well, I, I think it also helps that they watch Master Chef Junior and they see these kids making these amazing things that I can't even make, um, and they all want to be on that show and everything. So it can look different. There's not a right way. I just think for us, it was born out of necessity with a large family too. Right. But, you know, a different family might just decide they want to start pursuing those kind of things. And um, I just think kids are really capable. And as long as you're willing to take the time to teach them every step of the process and show them, you know, safety skills and stuff like they none of my kids are using a big knife or anything, but, you know, they can saute something in a skillet or they can make a grilled cheese sandwich. And so they do. That's cool. I think that's great though. You know, it's fostering that independence and giving them empowerment to do it. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure that they feel incredible because of that. Yeah. They do have a lot of um, excitement when it's their turn to get to help with something. And even my six-year-old is just, she's the one that's most at my side saying, can I help? Can I do this? Can I, can I try that? You know? And I'm like, well, do a little bit at a time and see, you know, if she's able to I think the biggest thing is, are they able to follow safety directions? And that's kind of how I decide what to introduce next. That is cool. That's great. In our last few minutes, I'd love for us to um, just talk about anything that falls in the special meals category, whether it's for holidays or birthdays or even just, you know, a day that calls for a special meal for no Mm -hmm. apparent reason. Do you have any special traditions in your home? So my daughter and I have this recipe that we make probably maybe once every two months. And it's a chicken casserole dish that I grew up loving that my Mm -hmm. mom would make. And so it's kind of become this nostalgic special meal that mm-hmm. I that I loved as a child and that I've shared with my daughter and she has fallen in love with it too. And I think the best part about when we make that special meal is that I'm kind of transported back to my own childhood and mm-hmm. I'm sharing it with my daughter. And oftentimes that kind of spurs me to tell my daughter a story about when I was a kid. And then she then wants to hear a story about when she was a little baby. And it just, it, it spawns these amazing conversations between the two of us that, and especially in those moments, I feel like that's what that mealtime really is about because I, I'm, I'm kind of back in my own childhood where, you know, that, that special mealtime where everything was on the table and everything. And then mm-hmm. here I am doing that with my daughter and just having that kind of come full circle is just so special. And I feel so blessed to be able to do that with her. Jenny, how about you? Well, we're not always consistent, like I've been saying, <laughs> but there was, there was a, what, <laughs> That's real life, Jen. It's just real life. <laughs> there was a while there that I was trying to get creative with ways for for my husband and I to have dates or to, you know, and one of the things that I enjoy is going out to dinner and that can't always happen. So I started this idea of trying to make a special dinner for the two of us to eat at home. And the whole idea was it was for it to be like just him and I having this meal and um, have the kids help me out with that. That's great. Well, a few things I wanted to mention of our special things. Um, We rarely go out for dates either just because of the logistics of our family. Every now and then we do. Jenny will come to our house and watch our kids and we'll go out. But most of our times together, we do here at the house with the kids involved um, for anniversaries, birthdays, anything like that. It's usually some form of steak and potatoes and some vegetable. Um, We always get really nice steaks for the special occasions. And then one of our funny, quirky things is for Thanksgiving, we do not do turkey anymore. We typically will do like a brisket or a some non-traditional, <laughs> you know, meal for <laughs> Thanksgiving, um, which is just kind of fun for us. Um, I, I don't I don't really love turkey. I didn't realize I didn't love turkey until we stopped having turkey. And then I was like, this is OK. I don't need <laughs> So I guess what I've taken away from that is that, you know, our 
food preferences and our family traditions around holidays can take on whatever look we want them to. And I know some people are very, very married to their turkey and that's okay. Um, But if there's something you don't like about what is being served at your table, that you can just change it and it doesn't have to make sense to anyone else, but you can enjoy it. And I think some of those quirky things often are what stick with our kids. Um, years down the road when they're like, remember when we used to do this for our, <laughs> you know, holiday meals? And and they don't know that it's atypical until they talk with other kids. They're like, we always have turkey. They're like, oh, well, yeah. we always have brisket. <laughs> what? What's brisket? You know? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's funny in the past few years, I haven't had Zoe during Thanksgiving afternoon. I've had her in the morning. And so, you know, I was just so concerned over, you know, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have this tradition with her, you know, on these years that I'm not going to have her for the afternoon where we would have a normal turkey dinner or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so, so for the past two years, what we've done is sat and watched the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade Mm -hmm. and we've had turkey bacon Mm -hmm. and potatoes and, you know, it's like a a breakfast version of the Thanksgiving, you know, but kind of like you're saying, you know, you can, you can kind of make your own quirky personal traditions with your kids. And those probably will be the things that they remember, yeah. you know, <laughs> for sure. later in life. I, just, yeah. I love those. I just thought that for a second about quirky stuff um, that we call just breakfast cereal, crunchy bites. And we've called it that, yeah. we've called it that for a long time. And it's funny because the kids talk about what they had for breakfast to the kids at school. And they're like, we had crunchy bites. And the kids are like, what's that? <laughs> so, yeah. so, I like that. That's so. Well, we've got to wrap up here, but because you are new to our podcast and new to our community, Corey, I would love for people to know where they can find you. Um, We do have an essay from you up on the blog or is coming up on the blog this month, and uh, they'll be seeing more from you in the coming months, hearing more from you on the podcast. But where can they find you online? So my blog is called The Nostalgia Diaries, and that's just nostalgiadiaries.com. So that's where I am there. And I have a Facebook page and Instagram and a Pinterest page as well. So you can for sure find me there. Yeah. Well, I hope people will check it out. And Jenny, just for good measure, can you tell us where we can find you online? I have Instagram and I also blog at peppersprouthome.com. Yes. Well, that's amazing. And thank you so much, ladies, for being here and being part of this conversation. I really loved hearing um, what is part of your family as far as deepening connection with your kids and just thank you for taking the time it was really fun talking with you emily and Corey. it was great meeting you and talking with you too yes this was great thanks so much I'm really excited to have misty phillip here with me today misty welcome hi emily thank you so much for having me Yeah, we're doing a series on life around the table, and this episode is specifically a little bit more focused on deepening connections around the table, especially with our kids. And I would love to know a little bit about you and your family, as well as the stage of motherhood that you're in. Excellent. Yes, Emily, um, I am married to Peter, and we have three amazing boys. Our eldest son is 24, about to be 25. Our um, middle son is 19, about to turn 20, and then our youngest is 16, about to be 17. So we are at the end of the teen years and mm-hmm. have a young married son. So it's it's a lot of fun uh, to be in this stage to have grow- growing children. Mm-hmm. Although wow. when when they were young, my mother-in-law would say when they are little, they have little problems, but when they are big They have big problems, (laughs) which is why I'm so glad we're talking about the table time today, because I think that table time discipleship is very important. Yeah. Well, I am really eager to have you in on this conversation because many of the moms that are on our team and are more involved with what we do at Kindred Mom have younger kids. I think I have the oldest one of our team and mine is 12. So I just always love getting 
thoughts and wisdom and experience from moms who've been there and are a little bit further in their journey, because I just think that there's such goodness in that perspective that is quite different from where I'm sitting right now, because I have a two-year-old up to a 12-year-old, and uh, sometimes these days just feel really overwhelming and just full of all of the very physical needs. And so I'm really glad to have you here, and uh, I just would love to know a little bit on the topic of life around the table, what life around the table looked like in your family over the years. Yeah. So, you know, it really started when my husband and I were, you know, growing up in our homes, you know, dinner was a very important time. Mm -hmm. We grew up in the seventies and eighties and it was a very important time. But I think Peter's parents in particular modeled for me because even as he was in college, the, the family mealtime was very important. The first thing that she did with her kids when they came home from school before they could go out and play with their friends was she sat them at the table with a snack and talked to them about their day and what was going on. And that was really modeled for me. So early in our marriage, mm -hmm. um, we spent all of our time around the table with my husband's parents. And that's where really discipleship was, was modeled for me. And I think that is what, when a lot of other kids during that time that my husband and his brother were friends with got into all kinds of trouble, I, I think they didn't because they were so grounded with, um, because their parents had their hearts and that they had their hearts because they invested in them from the time they were little. And then as we had children, we began to do the same thing. So when, when they were little, that looked like, you know, snacks around the table and building Legos and introducing the Bible to them all the way to having um, lots of stories, conversations, stories. You know, we lived next door to my husband's parents when my boys were little. And so we had grandma and grandpa as a part of our table time as well. So Peter's parents would pass down stories of things that happened when the boys were little. We would talk about our day. We would talk about mm -hmm. um, just everything, you know, communication around the table, and just, we talked about everything. It's so important. Well, and I love that, you know, when we're talking about life around the table, obviously there's really practical things like serving meals and getting everyone to eat and, you know, those really nuts and bolts things that I think a lot of the women that are in my space of motherhood are focused on that part because it's so physically demanding. And what has been interesting about this series is just really kind of diving into the fact that the food is a component of it, but really it's about that communication and that conversation that is continually open every day as often as a mealtime would come around. And so I love just hearing a little bit about what that has looked like for you guys over the years. And because you mentioned the word discipleship, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about what that is and what that has looked like as your sons have grown. Yes. For, for us, we, um, you know, we have home educated our boys from mm -hmm. the time that they started school. So for almost 20 years and, and during that time, you know, we have educated them. The word discipleship comes from the disciples and the disciples were the followers of Jesus. And so we have used our table to teach our boys about um, our love for our Lord and conversations around our faith and also conversations about what's happening in the world and how that affects our faith and, and our response to what's going on in the world. And so we have walked our children through our faith and our life. And, and that's what discipleship is to us. And I think a, a, a very important component of that is having your child's heart. So it's just as important for them to talk 
to us about what's going on mm-hmm. in their days, what they're struggling with. Just keeping the lines of communication open has been really important for our family. And we have seen that as they have grown, we, we face different challenges in this season of life than we did when mm-hmm. they were younger. But because we've laid that foundation, that solid foundation of communication, you know, it's easy for us to have conversations with them. Right. And I think it's important to note that conversation is normal and every day as it is, that it is a skill that you build with practice and that the regularity of being around the table and starting conversations with our kids is just an important part of building the conversational skills that they will have for their lifetimes. And so I love that you're talking about, you know, both hearing and speaking to your children. I think that part of being a mom is being a really great question asker because the more insightful the questions that I ask, the more thoughtful my kids are about what it is that I've asked them. And uh, I just love kind of leading the way in helping them process what it is that's kind of coming through their sphere every week, every day. And so I just appreciate your thoughts on that. And I would love to know a little bit more about the challenges that you face, both just the practical times of super busy seasons. And it was tough to have that connection really grounded from day to day or any other challenges that have come into play with your desire to foster that time. Absolutely. You're right. I think when the children were really young, I mean, getting everybody at the dinner table at the same time, especially as the kids have grown with activities, one of the things that I've really had to do as a mom is really guard our schedule and guard our time. And, you know, we've had to say no to some really good things just so that we have margin and borders in our life um, Mm -hmm. because our our family table time has been a priority and making that a priority. So that was a challenge. I think younger, just setting the routine and, and, and encouraging the kids, training them to linger at the table. So instead of just getting up when they were done and running off to play, but really having that time to have conversation and, getting them to linger around the table. But then as they've grown older with technology, we didn't have the technology um, Mm -hmm. when we were growing up. So technology is a really big problem now, making sure that they're not on their phone so that we can actually engage in conversation. And I think Mm -hmm. as a mom of older children, that's probably the most challenging thing is, is kids have a harder time, I think, communicating now. So we really do have to ask, like you said, those insightful questions to really get to the heart of what's going on with them. Because, you know, the way teenagers communicate is via text by the person sitting next to them. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different world that we're living in nowadays. Yeah, do you have so. house rules that you have come up with to help mitigate some of that stuck in your technology spot? (laughs) Yeah, we just say phones down. I mean, there's not, you know, I have friends that have baskets where they collect their phones, but, you know, my kids really, they really enjoy our family conversations. It's, it's, it's fun because even their friends who come over and participate in our dinners, they're like, wow, why don't we have dinner like they do? They talk about everything at their dinner table. And so, you know, our kids really enjoy that time because we've raised them up, you know, teach them in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they won't depart. And I feel like that's part of that discipleship at the table is, you know, we teach them and we train them to, to sit and to talk and, and to fellowship with one another. And they look forward to that because they want to know what their dad thinks about culture or religion or politics or morality or books, or, you know, we just talk about everything. Well, I think that everything that you have to say is very wise and good and, just really practical down to just setting aside dinner time to be technology free and fostering those conversations. And I guess at my house, part of the challenge is just 
the number of children that we have. We have six. And I am just curious, not necessarily around the table, but if there are ways and times that you have just kind of singled out time with your kids or how you have facilitated that over the years to just kind of have more personal conversations that aren't necessarily family-wide, but are individual. Absolutely. You know, I found the car is a really good time to have conversations with the kids because they are captive audience. And, you know, like with my 16 year old, I still drive him to football practice five days a week. Mm -hmm. And my friends are like, why don't you let him get his license? I mean, I want him to have his license. We just haven't done it. And I haven't been in a hurry because I know once he gets his license, I will lose out on that time. So even though it's a challenge for me every day to have that in my schedule, Schedule, it's a it's a priority because we're both captive and mm-hmm. and I found with with my oldest son he lived at home while he was in college and I loved that but it took there was a lot of two o'clock in the morning conversations because he would come home from school late there was a lot on his heart and a lot on his mind and so mm-hmm. you know you just learn when you have teenagers you kind of shift your schedule to a little bit later because a lot of those conversations for teenagers come later at night and so I think just being available and making it a priority. I think living with intention and knowing what's going on in their hearts and in the in the way that you learn what's going on in their hearts is you have to have that one-on-one time with them. So I think you do it whenever you can. And I, th- I know it's different when your kids are younger, but you just make your, I mean, my kids are a pri- my priority. And so you find time. And I know it's, it's a little more challenging when you have multiple children, but you know, you pour into their lives at every stage mm-hmm. and yeah. whenever you can. I appreciate that. And I just have grown to understand in my 12 years of being a mama that developing like a trusting relationship with my kids really matters. And I think that is so nuanced. It's, I mean, obviously they're safe in their home and they're fed every day and some of those basic things, but just kind of going that extra mile to really cultivate that trust and let them know that I am really in their corner and able to field whatever struggles or challenges that they have to share with me. And ours are still the little problems at this point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're not in the teenager zone yet, but I would really love to hear from you about the process of building trust with your boys and how that has helped shape your family dynamics, maybe even the relationships between the siblings, um, but also just kind of how that deeper sense of trust has impacted your relationship with them. Absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, right now, Emily, you're, you're building a foundation. And that's what I did with my boys when they were young, whether it was in, in our homeschooling, in our just sitting around the table, building a puzzle, playing Legos, talking to, I mean, we constantly built in that communication. And for us, you know, one of the things that we always told our boys when they were growing up is that you can always tell us anything and you will always be in far less trouble Mm -hmm. if you tell us what's going on in your life than if you don't tell us. And I think just because we had such open communication from the time they were young and as they grew, that it was easy for them to come. And when I was referring to my college son, you know, he would come to us and he would talk to us. And that's why we had so many late night conversations. And and, and some of that, um, you know, happens in high school too, because their worlds are changing and they start experiencing things. And so we've just always had a very, you know, open policy with our kids. And, and, and so I think we sort of trained them to know that we're in their corner, that we're their allies, that we want what's best for them. And everything that we do in, in our raising of them has been um, for us to get to do the best for them. Mm -hmm. And so they, they do feel safe in coming to us. But I think that was because we laid a foundation early. And then now um, it's kind of funny to be on the other side of that, having a married son, because you don't, 
I don't want to step in too far, you know, because I have to respect their marriage boundaries. But the table has been and continues to be a place for us to come together. So we take them out to eat, you know, as a couple. And and so we can pour into them that way. And it's just been, it's been a great tool for us to have. It's super encouraging to hear you talk about it, just because I think sometimes being in the right now challenges of the logistics of dinner with little kids, especially, it's sometimes easy to lose sight of the bigger picture and what it is that we are really investing in. It's not just the mealtime. It is that long-term relationship and being an advocate and being really available, like you said. And just because I am on the cusp of this parenting season, I would really just love your wisdom about maybe the top two or three things to focus on or do with teenagers and the top two or three things to avoid (laughs) to like help foster that through the changes that happen in the preteen and teenage years because this is right where I am and I want to (laughs) learn. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, really, I think the number one thing is is communication, Mm -hmm. just talking to your children and then having their heart, you know, know, knowing what is going on in their heart, knowing who their friends are, what they're doing, being interested in what they're interested in and being available. I think that's really what it's all about. It's really those those things. It's just being there for your kids, letting them know that you're there for them, knowing what's going on with them so that you can course correct when you see things that are not going so well. I think those are the, the three most important things. And do you think this is just a kind of a piggyback question, but do you think it's been helpful to have these conversations and this open trust in all that you have built over the years with them when you do encounter really tough stuff? I'm just curious if that has actually played out in your experience with your boys. If sometimes, you know, the tougher situations have brought about a deeper understanding and a deeper love for one another. Absolutely. You know, I can say now that my boys, uh, my, so our family dynamics are a little bit different because, Mm -hmm. you know, we have our older son who's 24, our youngest son is 16. Their brother in the middle has special needs and profound special needs. So because of that, we didn't have a lot of typical problems that Mm -hmm. other people might have with a family full of boys because they had this special brother. So we had different challenges in different circumstances that we had to work through. So our life was not typical, I guess. And because we homeschooled, we were always together. It was a little bit different, but the beauty, the beautiful thing is my now 16 year old son and his 24 year old brother are best friends. And, you know, I think, that because we were such a close family and we did everything together. I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but, but yeah, it's really sweet to see their relationship and how it's fostered over the years. And and they are best friends. I really hope for that for my own children. Although sometimes I wonder if that's going to happen because of some of the sibling stuff we have at this juncture. But, um, you know, I'm hopeful that we're on the right course and we're doing a lot of the same things that you're talking about. So that encourages me a lot. And I'd love to give you an opportunity to just tell us a little bit about just what you do, as well as some of the resources you have for women. And I know that you do writing and speaking and stuff like that. So I'd love for you to just tell us a bit about that and where people can find you online. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I decided since my boys were, I was at the end of homeschooling, I started to figure out what am I going to do with until I have grandchildren. (laughs) And so I started, I started writing and God called me to write a Bible study that I am just uh, putting the finishing touches on now. You can find me at mistyphilip.com. I am in all of the places online as Misty Phillip. My most recent venture is my kids have been telling me for years, mom, you, you like to talk, you talk so much, you need a podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) 
we just started a podcast and it's called By His Grace, which is the same name as, as my blog. And the reason that I named it By His Grace is because um, I'm just a, a girl in need of a lot of grace. And it is it is the grace of Jesus Christ that has completely changed my life. And I want to share that with others. So I share wisdom on home, faith, and family. And on the podcast, I will be sharing stories of struggles that people have gone through and how the Lord has seen them through. So I'm excited to launch that very soon. So that's going to be by His grace. Yes. And we'll try to get some links in the show notes for this episode. So if anybody wants to follow up and check some of those things out, they can do that. And thank you so much for being here and for sharing your experience and encouraging those of us who are going to have teenagers really soon. And thanks so much, Misty. It was so great to have you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.